The opinions expressed on the ACB Media Network are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Before you start, I would like to give the opening CEU code. Yes. The opening CEU code, and I'll say it twice, is 8234. The opening CEU code is 82324. Thank you. Jason, this is Judy. I'm going to officially introduce you. We look forward to a lively session. Thank you so much for joining us. We, we, we had you with us while you were interim director a couple of years ago, and we're delighted to have you back. And with that, uh, we, you, you had a wonderful presentation this morning, and uh, you might not want to say too much of what you already said then, but we'd love to have some opening remarks from you, Jason. All right. Thank you so much, Judy. Really appreciate it. Um, well, welcome, everybody. Um, my name is Jason Yasner. As I said earlier this morning, I am just so honored to be here. Um, I'm, I've got the best job in the world. Let's put it that way. Every day I wake up, I know that I'm going to make a difference, a positive difference, or at least try to make a positive difference in people's lives. Uh, I've worked at the Library of Congress for uh, almost 30 years and the Library of Congress's mission is such a noble mission for the American people. Uh, but five years ago, I took this job as Deputy Director of NLS, and I don't think I really understood what a crystal clear mission and vision was until I came to NLS. When I read That All May Read, it is just the simplest, most powerful, succinct, and unassailable vision statement that I've ever heard. And it just... It guides everything we do. Um, as I said, I wake up in the morning and I just, I feel good about coming to work and doing something. And so I really, really love to interact with people. Uh, I'm an extrovert. I think that was clear earlier this morning. Um, but, you know, it's easy for me to sit in my office in Washington, D.C. and think I know what's going on. Uh I'm not that arrogant. I like to get out and talk to people. I understand, as I said before, you are our customers. You are our patrons. You are the people that we need to serve. And I need to make NLS the best it can be for you. And to do that, I need to be able to speak with you. I need you to feel comfortable giving me feedback. I want to hear positive feedback. I want to hear negative feedback. I want to hear what you need to have a better reading experience with NLS. And so I know our NLS patrons consume content in different ways. Some of you are using the digital talking book machine and cartridges. Some of you are using Bard Mobile in its various flavors. Bard website, Bard Express, uh, the NLS Braille e-reader is out there in two flavors. And then soon we'll be working, uh, we are working on a smart speaker app for Amazon Alexa and maybe other things in, in the future as technology allows. So we want to make sure we have a suite of services, an enhanced suite of services to meet all of you where you are uh, with your reading needs. So um I'm really excited. Right before this meeting, uh, we hosted a, um, 
I don't know whether it was a focus group per se, but we talked about the NLS Braille e-reader and we had about 30, 30 or so people in there and everyone was really, really honest. And that's what I want. I want this in this meeting too. I want you to feel uh, that you can talk to me and my NLS colleagues and let us know what is on your mind, what you like, what you don't like, and where we can make improvements. Because this is the best way for us to get feedback. Better than Survey Monkey, better than paper forms or whatever, face-to-face -face or Zoom-to-face, as it were, uh, really hearing from you directly. So I do have some of my colleagues here, thank God, because a lot of the technical details of our products and services, I am no expert on. Um, I have Don Olson in the room, uh, who is one of our uh, uh, customer service support specialists. Uh, and I have Judy Dixon in the room, who's no stranger to anybody, I'm sure. Uh, she helped me out significantly in the Braille e-reader session. And as a matter of fact, after this one, we're going to go back to Schaumburg C to do a Bard Mobile session at four o'clock. But enough of that. As I said, I, I, I believe most of you heard what I said this morning. That was kind of an introductory thing of where NLS is and where we're going. Uh, so I think all of you know about NLS. So let's get into some questions. Right. So I'm immediate past president of this illustrious group here, but also my wife is Kim Charlson, a name that should sound a bit familiar to you. So I, I live, breathe and sleep the subject. My biggest concern about the future of NLS is how do we deal with a world of mine, which is technology, and a world that, quite honestly, has the vast majority of NLS patrons being older Americans? How do you both embrace the technology of tomorrow without leaving the elders behind? I think that's an excellent question, and I think that we we get that often. Um, we understand that our uh, our patron base skews older, uh, and we can never leave those people behind. As much as we want everyone to use BARD and everyone to use digital download, we know that there will always be a significant number of patrons that cannot access technology the way others can, that maybe don't have broadband or cellular signal in their place in the world, or maybe can't afford it. We always have to serve those people. And so there will always be some sort of NLS device and some sort of quote unquote analog delivery system for those patrons. Well, we, we simply can't leave them behind. Um, now, I would like to have people become NLS patrons uh, at an earlier age. We understand that, you know, a lot of adults um, start losing their eyesight and then become NLS patrons. And, you know, sadly, those people uh, haven't learned Braille, uh, maybe are, obviously, it's a very traumatic experience and aren't able to adapt to technology. Uh, we will always have a device and a, a reading delivery system for them. Um, all I can say is that's a promise. Um, it's, it, we, we can't leave people behind. I had a question about your, your humanware e-reader, and I, I don't quite understand why this is really, um, I noticed the, the headphone jack was desoldered and your books are in AMR wideband. And certainly the e-reader could support that if humanware added that functionality. And so I guess what I'm saying is that this device could have been an audio and a Braille reader, and I'm, I don't understand right. why you chose not to do that. 
Okay, uh, I'm going to ask Kristen to give Judy the microphone since she answered this question uh, in an earlier session. Our humanware okay. e-reader is based on That's a right. humanware device. Our, our humanware e-reader is the same physical device as the com- humanware chameleon. So right. it has a audio jack because that device, and it was easier for humanware to just make the same device uh, with different software for NLS, but the NLS requirement was just for a Braille device. It is um, something that NLS is thinking about, but we're a long way from implementing it. What a, uh, you did a wonderful presentation this morning. Thank you so much. Uh, my name is Penny Reader. I've been an NLS reader for a long time, and I love BARD. Um, but what I want to know is what happened to your contract with Hachette? Because three years ago, we were getting books that were published on the same day as print readers were reading them. And we were getting bestsellers in a timely way. And now we are not. Now I can go three or four weeks without finding one single current title that I want to read. So I don't know why that has that category is uh, seems to be less available than it was, say, three years ago when the Hachette contract was new. I really appreciate that, uh, but I really miss reading a bestseller at the same time as my sighted friends. Thank you. Thank you. That's a good question. Uh, I do not have an answer for you right now. I can look into it. I'm not sure whether uh, Don or Judy have an answer to that question. They're shaking their heads no, so I will write that down and I will... I will find out. And then, Jason, you can get any answers back to me. You and I have been in correspondence, and I'll get them to our folks. Okay. Hi, Jason. It's wonderful to be able to speak with you, especially on Independence Day. What an appropriate day to celebrate a library. Um, my question has to do with, with copyright date information. Up until fairly recently, copyright date information usually appeared in the book annotations on BARD. And since you've started using the publisher content, a lot of times that information is missing. I'm a vocational rehab counselor, and I really encourage my clients to investigate career-related material. But one of the problems is that when they're, when they're downloading books and picking books to read, they're not necessarily considering those copyright dates because they're not as readily available. So some of them have come back with very, very old information. Uh, Yeah, they can look at the copyright date in the book, but it would be really helpful to have that once again included with the annotation. Thanks to Kristen for letting me know. Uh, I did hear about this uh, maybe a few weeks ago. So in case you all didn't know, uh, at the end of last year, 2022, we switched from a... um, our regular book production, content production system to a new version of it. Uh, we call it PIX. We moved to PIX2. Um, the migration did not go very well. Um, there are all kinds of problems, and we're still trying to iron out some of these production issues. Um, I made a note of that. I believe PIX2, that this particular issue is going to be fixed, and right. that information will be available on BARD in the future. But thank you for bringing it up. Sharon Knopf. And I was wondering if you were ever considering doing something like when they have Kindles or you were able to do reading from 
you know, like you're an iPad or your Android, were you ever thinking of maybe doing something like that with an e-reader so you could read the print and be able to change the size of print? Mm, I'm not sure I understand. Obviously, we have Bard mobile versions that are available on Kindle, um, Android, and and iOS, of course. Um, okay, I'm sorry. I just don't understand the question. Okay, NLS's mandate is audio and Braille, not large print. Hello. Um, I'm not going to be able to attend your Bard session, and I am a Bard addict, as, is so many, as are so many people. I just love it, love it, love it. So could you give us a Reader's Digest version of the main announcements you're going to do about Bard that you will elaborate more on at that upcoming meeting? Um, sure. I'm sorry you won't be able to uh, attend it. It was I was just going to give very, very, um, you know, updated um, information about the three different versions, of course. We're very, very excited about the last version of iOS and the last version of Android that came out. Uh, we're in the 2.0s now uh, with these versions, which have significant feature enhancements. Um, we, of course, have launched our Fire OS. Bard Mobile, uh, which has been significant as well. Um, we're, we're just putting a lot of resources uh, and adding a lot of features into Bard Mobile. Um, we uh, also, of course, are always looking for uh, people to test. Um, we love our patrons that are involved in our field tests and our pilots. And so if you're interested in that, um, you know, please reach out to your network library uh, and they can pass the, the word along. Um, but that that was essentially what I was going to say to kind of set the stage. That Bard Mobile is is a serious investment in NLS's future. Uh, the Bard backend, um, which we're currently um, versioning Bard 1.5, is going to be upgraded to Bard 2.0 soon. And this is the backend. And so with that backend upgrade, it's going to allow many many different user experience features and enhancements. Um, on the user side via Bard Web and Bard Mobile moving forward. Um, so that's essentially what I was going to say. And as Kristen just said, our patron engagement section uh, has many programs that they've been pushing. One of them is called the Many Faces of Bard, which is online. Uh, and I believe if you if you can't see it when it's live, it's recorded so you can watch it later on. So I would suggest going to the NLS website. Uh, and checking out when the next Many Faces of Bard is, because that's all things all things Bard. And thank you so much for letting us know how much you like it. It's Chris Hunsinger, and I have a question about self-published books. Um, does Bard have any intention of, of more uh, adequately looking for books, probably self-published by visually impaired people that would be of relevance to the rest of us? Well, you know, our our collection development, uh, we have collection development policies, of course. Uh, we follow Library of Congress standards, et cetera. Um, our collection development uh, folks uh, look at many, many different lists and, and, and resources um, to choose uh, materials for our collection. Uh, the network libraries themselves um, go through um, this as well with their local materials. Um, I, I don't think we have any plans for any self-publishing um, in the future. Um, but Kristen, maybe you have something to say? 
Yeah, so I would highly recommend if you go to our um, public facing website, which is at loc.gov slash NLS, there's some information there about our, um, our collections development policy, and it has specific information about uh, self-published books. So we do actually pick up self-published books and put them in our catalog in some circumstances, but that policy will give you a little bit of information about how those are selected. And I can say that our collection development group and our librarians work very hard to seek out books um, that are produced by uh, authors with visual impairments because we know that it's something of great interest to our patrons. But as I said, if you look on our public-facing website, then um, you can get a little bit more information about our collection development policy, and so you can have a better understanding of, of how that works. Okay, yes, this is Chuck um, from Tennessee. Somebody, uh, it was an NLS patron here in Tennessee where I live, uh, when I first got my e-reader, told me a couple of years ago that the Wi-Fi didn't work on it or it wasn't accessible. Is that true? No, the Wi-Fi should most certainly work. Um, Judy, any any? <laughs> if the Wi-Fi doesn't work, then you should contact your regional library because it. Or per oh, Kim Kim Charleston is sitting next to me, and she provides library service for the Tennessee the Braille service for Tennessee patrons. So she said, contact her. <laughs> That's not quite what she said. She said, contact Perkins. Kim.charleson at Perkins.org. Uh, uh, this is Ralph Smitherman. I certainly enjoyed the, the NLS uh, program that you guys provide, the books. Uh, one shout out. I now get the Dell Sunday crossword puzzle book in Braille, and I appreciate NLS pursuing that project. because I love crossword puzzles. So thanks. Thank you. Hello, I'm here now. This is Alice. I'm Alice Massa and from the wonderful Wisconsin Talking Book and Braille Library. And I will just add quickly that um, Audio and Braille Literacy Enhancement, ABLE, which is in the same building as our Talking Book and Braille Library, did record my independently published book. And it did go in to the NLS system, for which I am very grateful. It, it was a thrill to be able to have my book there on Bard. And I have a question. I have brought this up before. I really think that the books that come into our library that are the commercially produced and have just a quick intro from one of the NLS readers are sort of like the B category. I'm not fully satisfied with that being a fully accessible book, because I greatly miss those peripheral parts, the dedication, the acknowledgments, the bibliography, all of those parts really give us a true sense of the actual print book. And I so miss those. And I so wish that the library would put those in to the commercially produced books. Well, thank you for the feedback. Um, I, as I mentioned before, um, 
we have been able to drastically increase the number of items in our collection by working with commercial commercial books and turning them from audiobooks into talking books as best we can. Um, I also said earlier that there will never be a substitute for true human narration. And I'm very, very proud of our recording studio and all the recording studios out there in the network uh, that are producing these wonderful books. Um, it, I think it's really a capacity question. Uh, I wish we could make every single book uh, up to that standard. Um, but we certainly would not be able to have the quantity that we have today. So um, it is a balance, uh, but I hear you. And we certainly uh, are looking at ways to make the user reading experience better uh, through tactile graphics, through other types of means uh, to give a fuller experience. But I do appreciate the feedback. Thank you. Jason, I'm going to follow up. This is Judy. Uh, since Alice raised this point and you have said, of course, you won't give up the human narrators. And I know it's early days, but has uh, is NLS going to consider using AI since the voices are getting so good? Uh, are you investigating that at all? We've been looking at text-to-speech for years. Um, I, I just don't think it's come far enough. And, uh, you know, I need to rely on the patrons to tell me, you know, if it's not satisfying to a patron, um, then it's it's really not good enough for, for the NLS. So, but... We'll see where things go. I mean, uh, it's one thing to, you know, maybe listen to an article uh, or a magazine article or something, you know, short in synthetic speech. Uh, I think that's certainly reasonable, uh, but maybe a whole book. It's just it's not the best reading experience, um, but we'll see where technology goes. I just don't think it's there yet. And I think most of you would agree with me. Yes, this is Pierre. Um my uh, well, first of all, I, I uh, asked a question of you in the uh, uh, session this morning about the, the book. The book is called Payback by L Lorenzo Cacatera. That's the book I would like to see published. It's been three years. But um, my question is, can you tell me more about this player that you were talking about that uh, this new player that you can down with wi-fi you can download your book into the player uh yes i was talking about the next generation digital talking book machine which we're calling the da2 um it's a device uh that is made by humanware now we contracted with humanware to make ours um it plays cartridges just like the DTBM and has a cartridge bay. And so um, current NLS cartridges work with it, uh, but it also has a Wi-Fi modem and that modem can connect to BARD. And so you can search and download books directly um, to the machine using that. So it's, it's kind of an interesting intermediary device for someone who um, is getting books on cartridge but also wants to experiment with digital download and maybe learn. And maybe after that, they graduate to Bard Mobile. Who knows? But we thought that this was a great next generation um, digital talking book machine. And so right now we're in field test. We've ordered some. They'll be coming in. Uh, we did ask Congress for additional money to purchase them. So we're hoping that in fiscal year 24, uh, we will have the funds to purchase them in bulk. Roberta. Hi. Um, I have two quick questions. One is um, a year or maybe a little more ago, diabetes forecast um, got dropped. And I'm curious why and w what's the status and are we going to get it back? And 
Um, my second question has to do with um, a program that since COVID, I have not had any contact um, where volunteer readers could help to rate commercially produced talking books. Okay, so the first one, that that periodical, um, I'm not familiar, so I'm going to have to take that as an action item and, and look into it. Um, I know that sometimes publishers stop publishing. Um, especially during the pandemic. Uh, we've seen that, you know, a lot of magazines have stopped. Um, we've seen others, we've been able to grab others. Um, but I will look into that particular one. Okay, from what I, um, what I know, that is a network library program, not an NLS program. Uh, oh, okay. Uh, is is that the rub program that we're talking yes. about? Yes. Yes. Uh, um, yeah, NLS does not manage that. That is managed by the network libraries. Uh, I would reach okay. out to your network library and ask. Uh, Very good. Thank you. Absolutely. Oh, uh, my name is Royal Bourne. Um, and my question, so with the machine, the DT2 or whatever that's called, when you have borrowed on it, do you still have to sign in the account and all that stuff? Yes, you do. Log in the Bard one time. Anisio. Hi. Um Thanks for this presentation and wish I could be there. First of all, just a very quick comment to my friend, Brian. El the elderly is us more and more, I think. Um, but Jason, my question is, I, I think I missed the beginning of your presentation this morning. And uh, so I, I don't know whether or not the e-reader project, which is a wonderful project that will definitely, I think will make a big difference in, even in terms of Braille literacy. Is it still in pilot phase or is it beyond that? Because I'm living in a state where there's still not none available. Thank you. Sure. Um, so the e-reader, um, we consider the program. Um, we had a, a, a pilot period, but now we've been rolling out to all the states. So right now it's rolled out to 42 states, um, D.C., Puerto Rico, uh, and the NLS Overseas Service. We're looking at the remaining states um, to roll out by the end of this calendar year. So I don't know which state you're in, but by the end of this year, your network library should have it. Vanessa Laurie is next. Here's something in your I wish you would correct uh, to-do list. Back in the day when Bard first started, Bard Mobile, and I access a lot of my books from my iPhone, when you looked up an author, and you found the author, the books, particularly in a series, would be listed in series order. And this is, you know, on, on the Bard mobile app. They are now listed in alphabetical order, which is not, of course, series order. So you end up having to go, say, to another website that is devoted to that particular author. You know, you just go, you look up the author and you've got to look for the series put down in Braille or whatever format, the book's in order, and then go back to the NLS um, app and search for those books. And if you find them, read them in order. Why were the series books taken out of series order and instead put in alphabetical order? Just drives me insane. I'm going to pass this to Don Olson, who is our bard guru. Hey, Vanessa, this is Don. I'm going to answer your question with a question. I ask you to go in your bookshelf 
and see how that shelf is sorted. Because in my experience, I have been able to replicate this issue if the bookshelf is sorted in alphabetical order. If the bookshelf is sorted in alphabetical order, this is exactly what you're going to get when you access or, or use the functionality to look up a book series. That's exactly what you're going to get is if it's, if it's sorted in, in book, I'm sorry, in, in uh, alphabetical order. Change it to recent. Okay. In, in the past, though, it was an actual series order. Um, and it is no longer in series order. I've tried every option conceivable, and it always shows up in alphabetical order instead of in the order in which the books were produced. And in the past, you could get them, you know, with one particular series that I like to read about once a year, just because um, they are no longer in series order. And and I can look till I'm blue in the face under every option uh, available. I guess what we need to do is uh, take this offline and you and I will yeah. work together and figure out how and why yours is coming up in, in that order. Okay. Judy Cannon sent me a question asking about whether the series, the series number could be put in the book annotation. I noticed, for instance, recently that a book, a series... You started with number one and then you went to number seven and there was no way to know that. Is that a way that the number could be put in the in the annotation? So I'm not a collection development uh, person. However, this is what I've been told by collection development people. And that is that every single series and every single author and so on and so forth is... I guess you might say labeled differently. So some may have that one, uh, you know, the number system. Some may have the number, uh, um, a different system. Uh, the point is they they don't all uh, come across the same way, or they don't they aren't all cataloged the same way, um, because they're uh, the collection development folks will follow, and they must they should follow um, exactly how the author has uh, you know intended them to be so in a roundabout way i think the answer is maybe no so in other words nls really can't do anything to let us know what unless a person says this is number 13 in such and so series because it, this question comes up every this is judy again every year why can't we know the number of the of the of the of the series that it is What's, where where it's placed in the series? To to provide the real answer to this question, you would have to contact us, someone here at NLS, and we can make sure that the, your question gets in front of the collection development folks. Okay. Okay. Yes, uh, my name is Allison Fallon. I'm in Oklahoma, and I listen to my books with. I'm old school, and I listen with the Humanware Trek. And what I'd like to know is, first of all, well, the main question, why can't foreign books be put in a separate category? So the question is, in BARD, why, why can't foreign language books be in a separate section? Yes. I believe the way to rectify the situation or address, address the, this situation would be to log into Bard, your, your account on the BARD website and under account settings, 
choose your language of preference. By doing that, by choosing whatever your language might be, that will filter out languages that you do not want to see. But you can't do that on your Victor. You've got to go into your account on the on the computer on the Bard website. Correct. Deborah Armstrong. Uh, hello. Um, I've been a patron since 1964, and I'm also one of your Fire OS testers. My question is about using the e-reader for reference works. When I was a child, you could find uh, press braille dictionaries and encyclopedias. It seems to me now that I'd like to see future plans, including larger reference works, because the e-reader is so searchable. Is that cost prohibitive or is that possible? And I will go back on mute. I'm not sure. So the question is, are these particular reference materials part of our Braille collection? Future she would like plans. more, she more like. and bigger. <laughs> okay, well, I'll <laughs> write that down and talk to our collection development people. Thank you. Hey, Judy, this is Paul Edwards. I'm going to go back to to the pesky question of, of series and ask whether a partial solution, and I guess this is more a question for Don Olson than anything else, whether whether a partial solution might be to consistently put a copyright date at the bottom of, of the listing. All right. So um, we're conversing over here, and we believe this is a topic that it's, is going to be rectified with the new version of BARD coming out in the fall. Okay, thank you. We'll go to Jewel G next. Um, this is Jewel in Kentucky. I am a longtime BARD user, basically from the very beginning. I am also an e-reader user. I absolutely love my e-reader, and I use it every day. I've been using it this whole time while you talked, in fact, um, enjoying it. Um, and I'm hopeful that there will be more and more Braille books available um, with time, although I am very happy to see Bookshare being available to download directly to the e-reader. Um, that is a wonderful function. I'm curious about with the treaty, um, the Meritus Treaty, I believe it was called, um, for Marrakesh. Thank you. Thank you for that correction. Um, I'm curious... Um, whether we will be getting books in other languages than English in their native language, and if so, in their native Braille code. Um, for example, I know Japanese are not, hasn't been much luck with Braille, um, but if we do get some Japanese Braille, could it be in the Japanese Braille code? Well, thank you for the compliments at first. Um, I appreciate that. <laughs> Um, I believe the answer is yes, <laughs> Judy, that um, the Braille e-reader can read other language uh, languages in Braille code. Kristen, maybe you can get the mic over to Judy, please, so she can elaborate. The short answer to this question is Marrakesh. And Marrakesh is already bringing us hundreds of new Braille books in many languages. We may not have too many in any one language. But the e-reader doesn't care what Braille code it's in. If it's a BRF file, you know, six dots are six dots. And you could read the code of any language that it's in because it does, absolutely doesn't care. And I would recommend, too, that if you haven't gone to our public-facing website to look at International Language Quarterly, 
We are producing a quarterly publication, giving highlights of the books that we're bringing in in various languages. So that's a really good resource for everybody. Thank you, Judy. Thank you, Kristen. That's a good question. Afternoon, this is Sharon Strakowski. I have an AmeriCash question. Um, you mentioned this morning, Jason, that um, there were more and more English um, books, uh, talking books on from AmeriCash. I honestly haven't seen them appear on BARD, and I wonder if they're in a separate section or if they just appear in recently added. Thank you. I'm not not sure they're they're marked as Marrakesh per se. I believe they're marked as foreign language. Even though they're English? Uh, okay. Yes, even though it's in English. So, oh, so do it you does have say to, Marrakesh. Do you I've have seen have, Marrakesh. I've seen Marrakesh have, oh, on lots of times. Okay. You just have English yeah. uh, listed as your language. Is that right? Yes. Okay. Oh, it says Marrakesh they're, on all the Many of the annotations say... Right, right. So um, what Judy said, it's a different catalog the number book for America. It starts with DBG if it's a Marrakesh title right. and BRG is for Braille. And so if it's a, oh, are you asking about audio or Braille? I believe it was Braille. Okay. Well, Braille, there, there, there are a lot of English language. Oh, we got, we got the um, Outlander series in Braille in English. Uh, from and there are a lot of I mean a lot of books have come from CNIB and they're English and there's tons of them loads of cookbooks lots and lots and uh, and also with the talking books they say you know they often say Marrakesh Bill Jones yes yes good afternoon and I tell you this is a great presentation I don't have a question but I do have a comment and that is that in spite of the fact that I do use other reading sources. I'm a very heavy reader. I use Bookshare and I use the radio reading service where I worked for 37 and a half years. NLS is number one with me. It always has been since I was nine years old and always will be. I'm using the cartridge player, the Braille e-reader, which I do love. And uh, I think about the only thing I don't know how to do on the e-reader is save a book. That's Sounds a little complicated. Well, first of all, thank you so much for being an NLS patron for so long. As I was trying to say earlier in my presentation this morning, I was trying to say, I want people to think of NLS as the library of first resort. I couldn't remember that resort word. The library of first resort. Obviously, we're very happy that people are using Bookshare and Audible and Learning Ally, et cetera, et cetera. But please think about NLS first. We're free. We have a wonderful catalog. We've got wonderful products and services. Um, so thank you. Okay. Thank you. This is Karen Campbell. I co-chair the Sight and Sound Impaired or SASE Committee. We, you say use the library um, as first, first resort. There are some members of the deafblind community who cannot do that because they cannot use audio. And in, and these are people who, um, in many cases, are people who are, who are not using Braille either because they're large print users. So what about, what, uh, what work is being done, A, on text files for Daisy and B, uh, look, looking into large print. I know you said that's a mandate issue. Um, 
but I would appreciate answers on that. And ACB does have resolutions on both issues. Right. So we certainly want to serve our deaf blind patrons. There's no doubt about it. We're also looking in different, different ways to serve low vision uh, patrons. Um, but as, as I've said before, you know, we do have resource constraints. Um, we are trying to serve as many patrons as we can with the resources that we have. Uh, but we're always, we always want to hear feedback. And we want to hear suggestions. With, re with respect to format, um, uh, I know that you use a DAISY format, and my question was regarding uh, either te text files from the DAISY or some type of text file. Okay. Go ahead, Jenna. Hey, um... I am a huge fan of Bard Mobile. Um, my question is, on the Bard Mobile app, um, how do you disable the Braille so you only see audio? Don's got that one. Hi, Don Olson here. Um, if you bring up the app settings, so you have four tabs on the bottom of your app there. In the settings app, click into, I believe it's user settings. Oh it's, the, oh, it's Braille and display settings. That's what it is. Thank you, Judy. And there is an option in there to choose what your, your preferred preference is. Okay. Recently on, um, on BARD, an element appeared that says extended annotation. I suspect this is another Don Olson question. Um, could you explain A, why it's there, and B, what it does? All right. The purpose behind this has to do with uh, previously truncated um, annotations. So um, by expanding that, that annotation, um, it would be um, right. So it has part, partially to do with uh, low vision purpose, or I'm sorry, low vision, per people with low vision can more easily see the annotations. But it also has to do with the uh, format change of, uh, you know, we're no longer con uh, constrained to the uh, smaller annotations that we uh, always have been. So that that's a lot to do behind this, this particular function. Hello, I'm Mary Hopp from Louisiana. And um, I just want to say how much I love my e-reader. It's, it's just great. And I also want to thank the um, NLS for giving us a hard copy um, user guide. I have bought um, a couple of $3,000 Braille, um, $3, Braille displays, which do not come with a hard copy user guide. And I do so much better with the hard copy. So I just wanted to compliment you on that. Um, I'm not real pleased with the new version of the Bard mobile app for iPhone. Um, I'm like the other lady um, that, you know, it's very hard to find series in order. And also with the previous Bard mobile app, um, I was able to look, I have my favorite narrators and I was able to look up my narrators and find other books that they have read. And I'm no longer able to do that. Um, 
Touching on something that Jason mentioned earlier, once BARD 2.0, meaning this is the website, uh, becomes more of an, uh, a mainstream product, if you will, um, the app itself will, will be able to take advantage of many more functions. So be on the lookout for that. As far as your narrators are concerned, um, this is something we need to uh, we need to develop in the what's, what's called an API. Basically, it's the the way the app communicates to Bard. So once um, that gets fixed or added, I should say in this case, then you'll be able to to uh, monitor your your uh, narrators. This is Kim Charlson, and many of you know that I run the. Um the Massachusetts Braille and Talking Book Library, and we provide service also to Maine, Vermont, New Hampshire, um, Rhode Island, Washington, D.C., and Tennessee for, for Braille and e-reader. And during the deployment of the e-readers, it's really come become very clear to me that a whole population of people that really were struggling with Braille on paper are really excelling at Braille on the e-reader because one of the hardest skills to teach a Braille reader is tracking straight, and there's only one line on an e-reader, so it's, it's, uh, it, it's much more intuitive. They don't struggle for, for the tracking issues. But the, the thing I would really love to encourage NLS to think about is some sort of instructional Braille program that would be compatible with the e-reader so that we could encourage more training, more fresh um, refresher skills for people who may have learned Braille a long time ago and their skills are rusty. Um, we really, in the, in the network, those of us who are trying to provide Braille services need some help um, to, to refresh those skills, work with people, be able to give them some guides and some training materials that will help them improve their Braille reading. I think that's a great suggestion, and I'm going to take that back to Tamara Rory. Hi, um, this is Donna Siren in St. Louis, Missouri, and I recently learned that we're going to be getting the e-readers, and I am really thrilled because I, I am a Braille reader, but what I was wondering, no one seems to know which one we're going to get. And I was wondering if there's a way to get that information and locate an instruction manual online to just kind of start in advance, trying to familiarize myself with it so that when I receive it, I'll know a little bit of how to use it. We, we don't know yet which uh, e-reader model is going to go to Missouri, but when Tamara and her team uh, get in touch with you, um, they will instruct you which one is going to is going to be distributed. And remember, this has a lot to do with which inventory we have and whether we have enough to um, support the whole state and whether training is is planned. Judy, did you but have when, a further comment? But when uh, when you do get the e-reader or when you do find out which one, the manuals are on Bard. The manuals are on Bard. But thank you. So she could read them now. Now. Ryan back on the mic again. I'm going to, and people who saw my presentations earlier this week know that I'm big on artificial intelligence. I also saw a, uh, I don't know, a test effort to try to deal with this issue of long bibliographies, et cetera, et cetera, where 
they use the regular human narrator for the contents, but added to that synthetic speech to read that kind of additional material. So it's not an all of one and none of the other. It's the best of each so that you can add that without having to go through the whole narrator process again. So I want to recommend that you not wait until AI becomes of age. By the way, it's so different now than it was a year ago that if you wait till it becomes of age, it's going to be yesterday's, not today's technology. So don't, don't throw out the AI with the bathwater. Thank you, Brian. Excellent advice. Hi, this is Nancy Younger from California, and I, I love BARD. And anyway, to make a long story short, I, I have the e-reader. I have several ways of getting BARD audio, which I like. However, I'm sorry, my what's question, your question is, why can't BARD books be uh, um, on audio books be on BRF files? Thank you. I'm BARD. The e-reader um, has the facility to read BRF files, and we don't have a DAISY reader on the e-reader for books. So that's why book the Bookshare books you're getting them as BRFs and you're not getting a format choice for the e-reader. My name's Sherry. Um, I am glad the books are not in series order. I like them in alphabetical order. It's easier to find them. I love Bard. You guys are the best. Perhaps for a future enhancement, you can talk to your IT people. At the end of an annotation, you could put the word series, make it a link. Somebody could click on it. It would put the series in order on a different page. And my question is that sometimes when you find a series, you'll have books one, two, three, and then five, six, seven, and no four. And it probably can't be helped, but I'm just curious as to how that happens. Thank you. Well, we like to surprise you, as I said before. <laughs> um, that's, yeah, that's a very, very good question. I don't know whether Don can comment on that, um, whether it's a cataloging issue or whether it's a BART search issue, but... I would also recommend if you haven't seen... Um, there's a form. If you go to our catalog on our, I, I'm constantly touting our public website. Um, if you go to our public website to where the catalog is, there's actually a form where you can request a book. Um, and that's actually new. It used to be that patrons could only request books through their network libraries, but we did want to make it a little bit simpler for, for patrons to request those books directly. I know that they're prioritizing missing books in series, so that might be a good option. Paul Lewis. Uh, when I was young, I was a uh, comic book collector, and I actually had the original Spider-Man. Uh, I know they've done minimal content. I would like to see NLS and Talking Books get more involved in uh, comic books and by association uh, graphic novel novels. I'm sure there are lots of people like myself who have had vision loss who were strong uh, comic book readers. And we'd like to see more content in that area. Thank you. Thank you. I completely agree with that. I believe we just yeah. completed Mouse uh, as the graphic novel. And uh, we absolutely want to go down that road. Uh, I'm a huge comic book collector myself. Um, I love comic books. And I would love for our patrons to experience them as well. Say your name, please. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Steve Bauer from Los Angeles. Um <laughs> When you go into most recently added or most popular, it seems to uh, offer just a, a uh, random series of books that doesn't really have any relationship to those things. And I've, I've talked to him more about that. And they say it's an NLS issue. And I'm just wondering if you guys have any ideas about that that could be rectified. I think it has to do with the fact that the Victor is currently using the older API 
And so that is going to be updated and it's going to have to be updated in the near future as we move toward BARD 2. Um, so that will certainly get fixed. Okay. Right. Thank you. Cynthia Hirakawa. If you know the series name, you know, uh, you can write the, the name of the series in and you'll get them. But if you don't know, like say, for instance, um, uh, James Patterson has written a number of series. Now, of course, if I ask for Alex Gross or Michael Bennett, I'll get them in the order. But if there were other series that I'm not familiar with, uh, how am I going to find, you know, uh, is there a way that a series can be listed under the author, the different series that person has written? We certainly need to do a better job across the board uh, with exposing or, or uh, letting you find series that, as you say, um, you're not familiar with. Um, uh, this is definitely an issue on the BARD mobile apps, all of them for that matter. Um, it's not quite a bit of, as much of an issue on the website. Um, and then finally, in the other, on the other side of the scale, Bart Express does this does this very well. So um, yeah, just to to loop right around to what I already said, we need to do a much better job with. So Bart Express, uh, at Judy Dixon's request, is a <laughs> is is a a PC based program that can be downloaded from Bard, and it is designed so. People who may not be as comfortable with uh, screen reader functions, and for that matter, surfing the web, uh, can much more easily uh, use BARD and access BARD through a much more uh, command-driven interface. So thank you. The closing CEU code is 52737. Again, the closing CEU code is five, two, seven, three, seven. I want to thank, I, there is so much expertise in the room. Don Olson, you're doing a fabulous job with the uh, beta for the A-Lady and, and Amazon. Um, the, the expertise, Judy and Kim, and uh, I forget the lady who's with the collections development with you, I'm not with all of you development, but I like to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much, all of you. And we so appreciate your being with us. And I know you have to get on to back to sea. And we thank you so much, everybody, for attending. And thanks so much. The 80 to 90 people we had on the Zoom side, that's phenomenal. Uh, thank you all for being with us this afternoon. Thank you, everybody. Much appreciated.